here has seen the movie, It's a Wonderful Life? All right, I see some of you young bucks. Have not, you have to watch it. Now when I was young, you know, my favorite Christmas movie were like the, the, the comedic ones, right? The funny ones. Then I had kids and it was like Elf, you know, because they love it. But last, last year, I, I started just at Christmas Eve, late at night, just by myself, just watching It's a Wonderful Life. Maybe it's because I'm becoming middle-aged and it speaks to a middle-aged person, I guess. I don't know. But it's like such power. Such power. Uh, I posted it on Facebook. I was like, this is unequivocally the best American film of all time. Some people didn't like that I said that. But, uh, so powerful. Anyhow, I was just you know getting into the holiday season, and it just dawned on me with the movie It's a Wonderful Life, right? For those of you who don't, haven't seen it, um, guys contemplating well, death. Uh, suicide, really. And um, he, he is saved, essentially, and he's brought to a place of, like, looking at his life, what, the, what his life would look like if you had never been born. Okay? And all the impacts that he made that he didn't even realize, he didn't even know. It's a very beautiful concept. And so I was just thinking about it. I was like, oh my goodness. What if Jesus had never been born? Think about that for a moment. What if Jesus had never been born? Never came, right? The Holy Spirit never came to the seed of a woman. And uh, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people like, you know, would jump right to the theology of it. We'll get into the theology of it. It's like even more than the theology of it. It's really unbelievable. So let's, let's take a look at 1 John chapter 4. Uh, let's start with verse 7. Beloved, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us. Read that again. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God had sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, redemption of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Interesting that Jose was feeling the Holy Spirit on that, an edification at the end of service, about love, right? But there it is, man, the love of the Lord manifested through the coming of Jesus on earth. And I think, you know, sometimes when uh, we have a friend, a family member, or even like a lover that is close to us, we can forget what life was like without them, right? right? Distance makes the heart grow fonder, right? And man, Jesus has been really close to me. I'm sure he's been really close to you. And maybe we have actually forgotten what life could have been like without him. So good. And so really, part of the, the, the intellectual exercise of this, dare I say that, is, is understanding something by its opposite, right? So you really can't understand Black without understanding white. And you don't know what white is if you don't know what black is. You don't know what heat really is until you know what cold is. And you don't know what cold is unless you know what heat is. 
mean, someone that has lived their entire life in the deserts of the Middle East has no concept of what a snowflake is, right? They have no concept of what cold is. They may think they know what cold is, but they do not know it until they engage it. And really, they don't know what their own heat is in the Middle East until they see the opposite. Like, so it's a powerful exercise to define something by its opposite. And so to define Jesus in a moment is it's kind of like to define what life would be like without him. And so, like I said, you know, we, we have a tendency to want to jump to the theology of things, of redemption, of salvation, of union between God and man. And we're going to get into that a bit. But I want for a moment to actually step away from the theology of things for a moment. Because I think this is the profound nature of it. Like for a moment, what would history be like? What would society be like? If Jesus had never been born? Uh, to be honest, like as this Christmas season is approaching, to think about a world without Jesus, a world where he was never born. Think about George Bailey of uh, It's a Wonderful Life. But the incarnate of God on earth. It's like you can't even like wrap, it's like you can't even wrap your mind around it. Because if Jesus was not born and did not come, it's not that the world is a dark place. It's that the world is a completely different place. Everything about the world, everything about the world would be substantially, significantly different. I mean, it's, it's a silly example, but I want to go a lot deeper than this. But like, just we wouldn't be living in the year 2020 AD, Anno Domini, in the year of the Lord. Like literally, literally, the modern world is defined historically by the birth of Jesus. That's how significant. So the modern world is, is actually defined by the very nature of the birth of Christ. And I don't mean that just by a date. I mean, the modern world in which we reside, where our mind resides, and what we know about the world, is all a byproduct of the coming of Jesus. I mean, you take a look at this in culture, in art, in music, and in science. I mean, the Sistine Chapel, painted by Michelangelo. No Jesus, no Sistine Chapel. No Michelangelo. Michelangelo. Mikhail. Who is like God? Angelo. Angel. I mean, his name is actually Michael the Archangel. But the beauty, to declare the beauty of the Lord in this piece of artwork. Or to the left, Mozart. Writing pieces of music for the church to, to display an interesting type of worship unto God in a way, or Beethoven, or the right Handel. Have you ever heard of, you ever listened to Handel's Messiah? Yeah. Do you know when Handel was writing Handel's Messiah, he has said that when he was orchestrating this, angels would show up? Now that's just like a piece of European culture, art, music, architecture, even. This guy, 
Sir Isaac Newton, uh, the guy who you know, came up with the idea of gravity, father of physics and calculus, like that guy, this is what he has to say about it. This most beautiful system of the sun, planets, and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent being. This being governs all things, not as the soul of the world, but as Lord over all. The supreme God is a being, eternal, infinite, absolute, perfect. What we need to convey here is this. Even the advent of mathematics and science comes from the concept that there is a rational world because it has been ordered by God. And if I know that it's been ordered by God, then there is a rationale to it. And if there's a rationale to it, there must be an order to it, which we can figure out. That concept was not alive during pagan days. The earth was chaos. The earth was without order. If there was no rhyme, there was no reason. But the infinite God lays out the understanding that there is an order to the earth. I'm telling you right now, without the birth of Jesus, you don't have the technology that we do. We don't have the advent of science that we do. Because you cannot figure those things out if you do not believe that there is a rational universe that has been ordered. And the early scientists knew this. That's how significant. It's really amazing. And so what we have here is this. It's actually quite beautiful. Even with imperfect people, even with imperfect people imperfectly putting his teachings into practice, Jesus has had much more positive influence on the world than any other person who has ever lived. I mean, I can't even believe we're doing this. Napoleon Bonaparte, Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and myself. Founded empires. But on what do we rest the creations of our genius upon sheer force? Jesus Christ alone founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men will die for him. In every other existence but that of Christ, how many imperfections? Love. The pagans did not have the same level of love as Christians have nor an understanding. What would the world look like even in a non-theological sense without the birth of Jesus? Would you have hospitals? Most hospitals were founded under a religious, really a Christian ministry. Yeah. I challenge you to find a hospital without a saint this or a saint that or a holy this or a holy that. Or it's the one in, uh, in, in, uh, in, in Brooklyn, B'nai, B'nai Israel, the, the hospital in, in New York. Like, you, the concept that we need to love our brothers and we need to come up with money to generate a facility to take care of the sick. The pagan world does not have hospitals. The Christian world does. Education. Literacy, universities, all founded in Europe, and most of the early ones in the United States, founded as seminaries. 
have higher levels of education. Not only that, you, you don't have the encouragement for your children and you to read. Why read? It's because of the word of God. Christianity coming out of the, uh, coming out of Judaism uh, it generates this idea that you are to be learned. You are to learn how to read so that you can read the text and you can read the word of God. What if Jesus never came and Christianity never expanded? What dark abyss would we be living in? Without hospitals and universities and the ability to read or the elevation of women. It's ridiculous when people say, like, in Christianity, right, they just, they just demean women. The whole concept of Christianity is to liberate women. Like, should we actually go on a historical journey of what it was like to be a woman or meet the pagan world? And it has me nuts when people are like, oh, Christians, this is about women. It's like, do you understand what the world was like before Christianity spread? The darkness, the ritualistic prostitution. The beating, the polygamy, yeah, amen. the incest. That's a world we'd be living in. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Oh, and of course, democracy. Alexis de Tocqueville was a, a French Frenchman that came to America soon after its creation. And he was astounded by the rumors of what the American experience was like. He's like, I need to go to the New World. I need to see what goes on here. And he was completely blown away by the industriousness of the American people. Blown away that they were so self-reliant, but yet they also helped each other out and localized the community. He's like, York, we don't do this. And he says a lot of them. He wrote like a multi-volume work on the American experience, but one here is a despotism may govern without faith, but liberty cannot. Tyranny can govern without faith, but liberty can't. And so there's this very profound understanding and even, and even in like secular academic circles that you cannot have an American revolution without a first great awakening. Wow. Like you can. There needs to be a spiritual revival to understand the concept that I am made in the image of God and the likeness thereof. And so is my brother. He is my brother. We're on equal footing. I value his rights as a human being before God. And he values mine. You cannot have democracy work without the ethics and the morals and the ethos of Christianity. That's why it's not really working now. Because if you lose the foundation to the whole concept that you are my brother, you have value. You're made in the image of God. If that concept is not inside of you, you can't operate. And you'll look to kings and you'll look to governments to govern you and to control you because you lost the essence of being an individual before God. It's very powerful. And so where would your culture be? Really, just take a moment. Whatever your ethnic background is, think about what abyss and what cave of darkness you would be living in.
human sacrifice to appease God? Which one of you would not be here? That's right. Sacrificial sex with virgins? Polygamy? Slavery? I know a Christian nation, America, had slavery, but we also stopped it. Education, schools, women's rights. Men lording over one another as noblemen and as kings and as chieftains. See, atheists, atheists don't understand this truth. They forgot where our civilization came from. That's right. But yet they critique it. The modern world is defined by the very nature of the birth of the Son. Even if one does not believe in Jesus as Savior, they are still living in the societal, political, and intellectual paradigm that he left when he ascended into heaven. And he's seeking no honor for it. The very world of law and order and safety and education and schooling and human rights. There's not really any theology in that. That's the world that he left to be living in. It's crazy. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. What would the world look like? Forget about redemption and salvation and sin and atonement, all that for a moment. Civilization itself. Uh, in the Older Testament, in Judaism, we see a clear, systematic order to the world. You do not have an Albert Einstein. You do not have a Sir Isaac Newton. You do not have a Bill Gates. If this truth is not known. Psalm 19 verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. It's a concept in Judaism. That the divine being has created order. And his glory can be seen in it. There's a reason. There's a rationale that we figured out to some extent. And so really, what we have here in, essentially, Judaism, that calling out from Abraham, we really have, in many regards, historically speaking, the birth of scientific and rational thought. We have the birth of law. Just, like, I know we're just like, oh, what is this? Just tell me how to speak in tongues. No, like, Guys, listen to this. The word of God gives unto mankind the understanding that there is a clear systematic universe to figure out and to live in. He creates the assemblance and understanding of law and order. A law and an order that transcends even human government. 
Uh, it, it shows the, the concept to man that God has an order to the world, that we have a life with a purpose, that man is made in the image and likeness of God and the creation of the notion of human rights. Not only that, but mankind must be subordinate to a higher law, the law of God. That even governments can't do whatever they want. That we are to be humble and in order to God's law that transcends human humanity. Come on. Now, this is what's so crazy here is that those elements that we just take for granted, that we just pass through so quickly, or it, it, it's like it would not be here without the birth of Jesus. Without these concepts that laid down the foundations to civilization that was handed down to the Jewish people, it would remain with them and would never get to the rest of the world. Right. It would have never gotten to your little tribe in Germany or Italy. It would have been hunkered down, stuck in a desert with the desert people. But those concepts outlined in the Old Testament came to us through Jesus. That's good. Come on. Look, the, the, the Western person. The Western person cannot even comprehend a world where Christ was not born. It is beyond any understanding because we only know a world where he touched. And if one despises Christ or despises Christianity, fine. Go to a world where the culture of Christ Never reached. And see the profound nature. You as a female, go live in Afghanistan. Where the culture and teaching of Christ that laid down a foundation civilization stone that we all live by. Go live there. found to be gay, they just cut your head off. All Christians are saying it's not right standing with the Lord. You need to repent. Yeah. But where Christ did not go, you get your head cut off. Right. You speak out against the government, you get your tongue cut out. If you have more than one child in China, your baby is taken care of. Amen. That's what happens when you don't have the culture of Christ. Forget about the theology of Christ. You don't have the culture of Christ that invades. And the atheists and the doubters, it's so frustrating because they live in a world that has benefited from the Judeo-Christian concepts, but yet they have the audacity to critique it. If you don't like it, go live on other places on planet Earth where Christ never went. I mean, his message, right? It's crazy. I, you know, a mutual friend of, of Jose and, and I, he's a, he's a Jewish man. And uh, he's, he's, he's very involved in things in, in America and in Israel. And uh, it's so comical or cool how, how he phrased it. You know, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of young people, particularly Israelis, uh, 
and, 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 and Jewish people who gravitate towards Buddhism. Right? It's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the genetic spirituality, right, of a searcher. They're searching the wrong spots. And so this, this Jewish man, is, he's, not a, he's not a believer in, in Yeshua. He's not a believer in Jesus. He just says to them, like, really? Like Buddhism? Not Judaism? Like Buddhism? They're like, yeah, you know, all these kind of things. And his simple response is, how many Buddhists have a Nobel Prize? <laughs> None. None. Jews make up 0.2% of planet Earth and they hold over 20% of Nobel Prize. Not one single Buddhist hospital in the world. Not one single Buddhist hospital in the world. This is the concept again. When you, taking out the theology, when you simply adopt the rational world of God through Jesus and Christianity, you are compelled to change the world. Within Judaism and Christianity, you are compelled to transform the world a little closer into Eden. Because that's the call from Genesis. You don't have that when you're a Buddhist. You don't have that when you're a Muslim. You don't have that when you're a Hindu. And that's why there are none that are Nobel Prize winners. That's the compulsion of the power of civilization. The advancements of science, medicine, the arts, law, order, philosophy, government, all of that, gone. That's a lot without discussing theology. Right? But now getting to the theology. Where would you be? Not your culture. Where would you be? Probably would not be as scientifically advanced as we are now. Probably would not be living in a democracy. But your soul, where would you be if Jesus had never been born? Now, here's a nice little caveat. Oh, the Jews. Where would they be? Text tells us. When they die, they go to Abraham's bosom. Not hell. Do you think the patriarchs are in hell? Do you think Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are in hell? Well, they died before the coming of Jesus. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses, David, Joshua, Caleb, they're not in hell. Okay? It's a theological error. When they pass from this earth, scriptures say... And essentially, they went to a place known as Abraham's bosom. Almost like a holding tank until the coming of Jesus. Now, when the coming of Jesus comes, he goes to the belly of the earth, and he presents himself to the patriarchs. you think they receive him? Amen. Now, I'm not teaching a purgatory. But there, there is something here. How can Moses be in hell? How can David, who says, all I want is to seek your face and inquire you in the Lord's temple. How can he be in hell? Why were they not in hell? They were in this kind of... They could not ascend into heaven because of sin. But they called upon the name of Yahweh. So there was something there. But you and me, who never even heard the word or the name Yahweh, 
living in your European nation, living in your Asian nation, living in your African country, where would you be? Hell's fire! Because you couldn't even, you don't even know the name Yahweh. You don't even know who Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses was. So you'd be burning in a pit? I hope now you a little bit more understand the gift that the Jews gave the world through Jesus. Amen. Salvation comes from the Jews, Jesus said. Amen. Man, we have no paradigm of God, the Father. No paradigm of the Son. No paradigm of the Holy Ghost. Be serving some Thor. Zeus, Krishna, burning the lake of fire. Wow. The culture of Abraham, they called on the name of Yahweh. He was there. Know Jesus, the nations, and you would be underneath the spell. The spirit of the air. Come on, let's let's get into some of the text here. Romans chapter five. No Jesus, no forgiveness of sin, no redemption. Romans five, verse eight. This is like Romans road. Everyone should like know all these, right? But God demonstrates His own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Redemption of your soul, of your humanity. There would be, as it says. No union with God. Galatians 3, 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Um, no hope. No victory in anything. Romans 6, 8. I'm sorry, 6. No, Romans 6, 9 through 11. Hope, Victory. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. For the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, no forgiveness of sin, no redemption, no union with God, no hope, no victory of, of, of defeating the powers of sin and death. Yeah, Living a meaningless, purposeless life for 70, 80, 90 years, then you die and then you rot in hell's fire. Great. Great story. You know what I'm saying? Mary, come on now. It's a practical theology. Without the birth of Jesus, what on earth would your marriage look like? How would you even understand the concept of valuing a woman or valuing a man without the coming of Jesus, who didn't just bring forth redemption, but also brought forth the understanding of law and order that was outlined in the Old Testament? How would you value your kids? How would you value your fellow man? And it's just frustrating because even those who reject Jesus are massively changed by his reality. Right? It's like the rain, fall, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Yeah. Come on. The order, the beauty of civilization. 
gets to fall upon even those that do not call upon him. At least in the West. He gave us life. He gave us redemption. But he also brought us law and order, love, value, the understanding of what it means to be a human being. Which was first articulated to the Jews and went out to the rest of the world. And so for Jesus to not be born is for one to live in a completely, completely different world. It's actually, it's a completely different experience. We can't even wrap our minds around it. The world cannot appreciate this. Because the power of the cross has not allowed modern Western man to even glimpse into the alternate reality. And so largely, the world rejects him who gave them a gift. A gift that they can no longer see. And that is the epitome of a whole servant. But what if? What if modern Western man continues to reject the gift? What if modern man can continually scoffs at the gift? Not even the gift of the theology of redemption, but the gift of civilization, of the understanding of value, of law and order. Put it this way, if Christ in Christianity laid the foundations to civilization, what happens when the foundation is beginning to be removed? I'll tell you what, if it does happen, which it seems to be slowly happening, Mankind is going to wake up and be like, you know what? My grandparents, Jesus, is pretty alright. Because look what happened to our culture when we removed his teachings and his understanding. Amen. Amen. The big question here is, would you be willing to allow that to happen? Would you be willing to allow persecution and tribulation to happen in this land so that people would be awakened to the understanding of the power of the cross? Not just in theology, but in all things, the world in which we reside in. I'm telling you, it's not just me being a crazy man. It's the book of Revelation. That grace that the Lord has on planet Earth. Of law. Of order. Of understanding. The book of Revelation says it shall be removed. Persecution, tribulation, and chaos, and darkness hovers the earth. At that point, I believe there's a whole bunch of people calling out. I remember Grandma's Jesus. What on earth happened to planet Earth when we removed the understanding of Christ? Not just the theology, but everything. Amen. And so, the epitome of a humble servant. What if you had never been born? What if we play the same game? We say, what if you had never been born? I believe that during this Christmas season, we need to 
understand the, the, the revelation of what it really meant for Emmanuel, God, to be with us to be born. Yes, the theology, yes, the redemption, yes, the union with God, that we have the Holy Ghost inside of us. That we have eternal life. But also the impact that Jesus made even on the day-to-day. And I believe that you and I need to understand this. That just like Jesus, you have made enormous impact. You have made enormous impact on friends, on family, on neighbors, that stranger down the street. And if you were not born, a piece, a piece of the breath of God would not be residing on earth. You need to adopt this. You need to receive that. My life has value. My life makes an impact. And even if, just like Jesus, people don't understand it, He, the Father, understands it. You and I need to be aware that your life has meaning. Your life has an impact. For if you were not here, a piece, a piece of God's plan would not be here. Each life has the breath of God in it. A breath, the breath that is in you has a divine purpose because it comes from a divine place. And the divine source. It's a good question to ask. What would the world look like without you? What would the world look like if the breath of God that is in you was not here? This is this is a magnificent revelation to grab a hold of. That we are made in the image and likeness of God. And we have the breath of God inside of us. And we have a point to our life. Romans 8.19 says that you just... It's not that you, you, it's not that you just have a purpose. It's that all of creation is crying out for you to reveal the purpose. Of why you're here. That you are here. That you have the breath of God in you. You have the Holy Ghost inside of you. You have the redemption of sin on you. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. They're waiting for you to be revealed, for you to show them Christ. For you to show them the breath of God. You are in him. He is in you. The world will know him through you. So like Beethoven, live a life of a moonlight sonata. Like Michelangelo, paint depictions of the glory of God. And like Sir Isaac Newton, display the glories and the handiwork of God unto man. It's not just something that is nice to do. It's something that we've been mandated to do. 
show the world Jesus. Show them the breath of God. Why we stand? Father, we praise you. We thank you. Father, we thank you that your grace abounds so much that even though the world has rejected you, the rain still falls on the unjust. That your impact, even for those who reject you, that the impact of law, order, love, value still hovers the earth because of the faithful witness of your saints. But darkness, deep darkness covers the earth, covers the people. Places like North Korea and Afghanistan and Iran and Saudi Arabia. Father, prolong that day. Prolong that day. that darkness coming to the America. Lord, I pray we all wake up. We all wake up and understand the contribution that you gave her. But more than that, how you redeemed our soul. You redeemed our soul. You took on our chastisement. You took on our pain. You took on our sin. Now we have fellowship. And now we have the Holy Spirit, the breath of God inside us. Lord, let us meditate, let us understand, and let us reflect, and let us thank you during this season. For truly, it is a wonderful life when you have Jesus. Amen.